Welcome to the Church of Pod. This podcast is about a relatively small, fundamentalist Christian movement, which I used to be a member of. It's about high-demand religion and life after it. I'm Ben, and I'm your host. My guest today is Robert Thiessen, who was a minister in the Church of God when he was young and when the church was young. And you'll enjoy Robert. I really did. He seems to me to look back on his time in the COG from more distance than those of us who left more recently from a safer distance and the personal work that he's done in that time really shines out so we can all take heart we talked about a lot of stuff including his time traveling with danny lane we talked about guilt and we talked about thinking about god in new and more expansive ways One last note, I want to be really clear about this as you listen. Robert references the German Church of God, and that's an entirely different denomination than the Church of God Restoration. They share historical roots, and they have very similar names, but they're quite distinct, and the things that Robert says about them should not reflect on the Restoration Church of God run by Donald Ray Tinsman. Anyways, I won't keep you longer. I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Robert Thiessen. All right, we are recording. Hey, thanks for doing this. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Um, I, was, I was looking forward to it. I think more not I think more, but I was uh, looking forward to as best as we can meet you in person. Yep. Um, so yeah, no, it's a real. Yeah, we've it's a real... we've never met before. Um, no, we're, we're in a chat group. We're in a fun <laughs> chat group, and so I've gotten to know you some. But our times, our times in the in the church didn't overlap. No, because um, so I listened to your podcast, and by the way. It was really good. Oh, I'm thanks. not just saying that because you've got me on here now <laughs> Thank as you. well. But um, I think um, probably as we start talking tonight, you'll see that we have a lot of parallels, mm. um, even from early childhood, some of oh, our really? leanings. Um, you know, your interest in theology and reading religious books, I was a little bit odd in that sense as well. Were you? Yeah, that is a little bit of an oddity. Yeah, kid. <laughs> normal kids aren't supposed to gravitate towards theology. And, and you know, I mean, I, I think there's a whole bunch of history there, family influences and, yeah. and those kind of things. And for me, a fear of hell and uh, the idea had been planted that there was one true way. Okay. So that created an additional fear of what if I'm not on that one true way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so there I don't want to call it an obsession. I think in the beginning it was a, uh, it was a curiosity, but it, it, it did come from a place of fear. Hmm. Um, and then just listening to your, the things that intrigued you about the church of God restoration. I think a lot of those things were similar for me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, even though the clothing, you know, I did a double take on that. Um, and probably in the beginning thought, you know, this is taking it too far. But as I got to know some of the people and got more involved there, um, you know, I adapted the clothing as well. 
And, uh, now, one difference was when we, when I was there, you could still wear lighter clothing. Yeah, I was going to ask you. You know, brown pants, beige pants, <laughs> blue <laughs> pants, um, you know, be a little bit more. Um, we were just uh, in the process of getting guys to do up their top buttons, which is, oh, you know, okay. you got their top button. Top button, vests, everything was already pretty mature. In fact, I think the clothes haven't really changed in my tenure. They're still the same as when we first met the group. Um, right. But it, it didn't start that way, right? Because what, what year did you join? So we were exposed to them in 1990. And you were, sounds like you were, you had, you had a kind of religious family before. Oh yeah. We were very religious. We were church of God, the German church of God. Oh, okay. So when you go and do your, um, church of God origin tree, the family tree, yeah. You got church of God, Anderson, and then when <laughs> Anderson apostatized, you know, um, you had faith and victory from the English side. Yeah. But then on the German side, there were multiple branches um, and splits happened in there. But we felt we were, you know, the the German the one, speaking. The one that kept the real thing. The truth. Yeah. Was we, it... we had the middle ground. We looked down our noses at faith and victory. We just thought they were too extreme, you know, with the clothing. We didn't have okay, quite yeah. the emphasis on clothing. We we didn't wear jewelry other than wedding bands. So we did wear wedding bands. Women did cut their hair, okay. but they did not wear makeup. About and neckties. then, you know, much too much. Oh, yes, we had neckties. neckties we had yes. fantastic That's the mark neckties. of apostasy. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but that's where we thought uh, faith and victory was an extremism. Uh, you know, why are they so hung up about the tie? And that'd be like, uh, like they're legalistic. Yes, absolutely. They're yeah. legalistic, you know. Um, Whereas we weren't at all. We were just Holy Spirit-led people who understood Scripture and how it applied to today. But you so had a little bit of art. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, but you had those kind of D.S. Warner, Church of God roots. And so did those things kind of sound familiar to your parents when they encountered them in the, in the Restoration? Yeah, for sure. We, we had all the D.S. Warner books. Um, we read them. They were in German, I believe. Yeah, they were in German. So, um, so there was still um, exposure to that um, Church of God roots, the D.S. Warner. And then um, when, um, you know, I was 20 years old when I was exposed to them. Um, the, you know, uh, we had an awful pastor at the Church of God. I mean, he was the German by one? all that. Yeah, the German one. Okay. By all definitions, he was he was he was very strange okay he was overtly racist he was really? you know he advocated for the nazi youth whoa. and the hitler youth and whoa the Jews and this is in like what Jews. what what years is this? this is the 90s you said oh yeah for sure holy yeah. cow <laughs> came to elmer in the early 90s that's so, a very you know, he, the very german church of god very, yes. <laughs> a little too german yeah, I don't know if you realize this, but God speaks German, and He speaks. I, uh, he speaks. Everybody thinks He speaks King James uh, yeah. English, but He doesn't. He speaks, <laughs> he speaks the old translation of Luther German. I know so, they uh, have a thing know. about that. I was. I realized that after spending a little time in the colonies in Mexico, that um, they're they're sort of into the Luther translation in the same way that there's a lot of 1611 it's, English. It's the old translation. I forget what year it is. Oh, it's like it's not the special the edition. It's the 1977 yeah, you know, all, unedited 
I laugh at it now and, you know, I'm tempted to say there's a little bit of ignorance there, but, you know, I'm sure my kids will look back when they're older and think dad wasn't too astute, but Absolutely. all the Bibles I got as gifts, and trust me, I got a lot of Bibles as gifts. I mean, I had, I was cleaning out our house the other day with my wife and I mean, I had a stack of old German Bibles. Really? that. Uh, <laughs> Um, but anyways, they, they were all written in old English, you know, the old English script. Yeah, like the, the Gothic script, very right? Difficult. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what it's called, Gothic, or it, it was like learning to read almost mm. from scratch, just to be able to read that that uh, script. But yeah, that's what all of our Bibles were written in. And then when finally we found an old translation of Luther in just regular font, it was like, oh my goodness, I can actually read a language that I'm not very familiar with, you know. <laughs> but we, we did everything religious in German because here's, here's another thing that makes me chuckle now is, um, you know, we strongly believe that changing languages tended to make people worldly. So, you know, mm. I mean, it's, it's, it's very, you know, now I look back at it and I get a good laugh out of it because it is so bizarre. I mean, what does language have to do with, well, with it's the similar. spirituality or religiosity of an individual? But is it similar to, is, is it, is it the same idea kind of as the church of God has now or had when I was there? Like they don't say guys, they don't call young sure. children kids. Um, yeah. Is it like that or is it more kind of? Is it a little bit more superstitious even than that? Like, you know what? I, I don't know, Ben. It, it just seemed like their their idea was that churches that spoke German somehow. I, I know what it is. It, this is my take. Okay. So, um, churches that stuck to German didn't get into drums in in worship style okay. music. They Slippery stuck to slope. the old hymns and that. Yeah. Yeah. And then once you get into you know, singing uh, or doing stuff in English, then all of a sudden, you know, you got more worldly music Devil's coming gotcha. in and, and yeah. it's just easier for things to, to digress. I guess it's maybe akin a little bit to, you know, some Catholic parishes having their mass in Latin. Um, somehow yeah. they think yeah. that they're, they're truer or more true than if they were to do it in regular English. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, this was a recipe to ensure that your young people, majority of them would leave mm. because, you know, they're all going to English schools. They're all sure. speaking English at work. And then once a week, they've got to put on their German hat and try to, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> read Gothic script for <laughs> read, uh, you know, become religious. Right. So it, it really uh, compartmentalizes a religious experience, you know, you have to be in your German mode in order to be able to uh, fully express yourself. Yeah. So that must have been a shocker. Was Did you feel sometimes like, like a little naughty when, when you met the Church of God? It must, it sounds like in some ways it was more rigid, more extreme, like a step up in holiness. In other ways, maybe it was a break from it, what you wanted or you were used to. Yeah, th there was another aspect that was very appealing about the Church of God restoration, and that was um, just the enthusiasm that was in their services. So mm -hmm. Church of God, I mean, I look at it now more pragmatically and not nearly, a, I mean, not judgmentally at all. Well, I guess there is a judgmental part from me now being in a completely different place, so I can't pretend that I'm not, I don't have a bias. Yeah. But back then it was, we called it dead. 
But if you wanted to use that definition, it really was. I mean, mm-hmm. the services were, you know, you would have, you would walk into the sanctuary and people did not talk. I mean, it was quiet. Mm. And the idea was, you know, the holiness of God is yeah. that solemnness. And if you did have something to say, you would just really quietly whisper. And this is before the service is even starting, right? So to be able to walk into a place where everybody's chatting and yeah. carrying on and and uh, doing it and then and then the singing itself was very regimented. You had a formal introduction with the piano, that you know one okay. and a half second uh, pregnant second uh-huh. pause, and, and then while you take an in breath, yeah, yeah, everybody collectively, and nobody sang too loud, nobody sang too quiet, okay. nobody sang too enthusiastically. No, you know, it was just. Right down the middle. Very formally. Yeah. And then the song would come to an end and there would be the dead silence. Yeah. Whoever would get up. And so so to walk into a service where people are totally and hollering and it's fun. singing at the top of their lungs. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, I'll tell you, it, it it's a great, great change. It's like going from uh you know, going from listening to Baroque orchestras and also right. going to your first rock and roll concert. <laughs> yeah. Wow, this is awesome, right? Yeah. So yeah, there, there, you know, and, and I, I don't want to knock it. It does. It, I mean, to me now, it doesn't appeal to me, at all because, um, you know, I've been there, I've done that, okay. and and I'd like to say, there's a little bit of, um, I don't know how genuine that is. Sometimes uh, you can, I, you want to work it up, and I wasn't convinced, still not, maybe that it's not okay to kind of work it up because, you're. But you are, you do want that. Um, and it's hard to know, is drumming it up part of it? You know, I need to be the one that's yeah. kind of getting there mentally. Um, it's not like I didn't think God was doing his part. But then on the other hand, in a sense, you you want it to be ecstatic. I mean, Danny used to say, you got to be, I forget what the scripture is. I haven't uh, exposed myself to it in such a long time. But being in season, out of season, yeah, you know, that yeah, idea right. that, if the spirit's not moving you, you should still be able to generate something. And somehow that was still the spirit. And then I think back to there was tremendous peer pressure as well. You know, if your mm. benchmate is rejoicing and carrying on, True. there there was That's a there great, was at least point. I perceived it as pressure. Yeah. That you um, should be doing the same thing, and it didn't have to be every mm. service. Mm-hmm. But you couldn't be sitting quietly for too long or not mm-hmm. raise your hand. I mean, that would always draw suspicion. Right. You know, what's going on with you? Are you okay? You yeah. know, and the classic was always, you know, um, accusations. It was an ac- the concept of accusations, a huge thing. Oh, huge were, thing. Um, yes. You know, all the time, young people and everyone encountered those. Um, yeah, absolutely. And now Why don't you I'm explain, explain what that means for... For people that don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's your real self going, no way is this true. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I could use a little more colorful language for that. But, <laughs> so um, it, it's like doubts, yeah. Or Sometimes I felt it as like imposter syndrome too. Like you're sitting in sure. one of those services and obviously there's excitement and they're pumped about what someone is saying. And you might feel, I think everybody's had this experience when you're sitting there like, okay, you know. Um, but you're right, there's a sort of a, pressure a little bit to to interact but in the back of your mind you're like why am i missing it 
Yeah. What, the way I experienced um, accusations was I really believed this stuff. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I believed this idea of holiness. So I would comb over my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially even the past and the idea that combined, sorry, combine that idea with the idea of true repentance, right? So yeah. that you have that remorse, that godly, godly soul sorrow that brings about change. And yeah. then so you'd be sitting there going, okay, did I have that true godly sorrow? Mm-hmm. Am I remorseful or am I? So you just had this, for me, was just this um, constant doubt in myself. Mm. Did I do enough? Yeah. And, and the idea, you know, people will say, well, the Bible says if you confess, you know, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive, you know, the, those scriptures. But my problem was, did I exhibit enough of that God? Enough repentance. Yes, exactly. And so that's where my accusations came yeah. from. What do you um, think of that now looking backward? Um, that was an effective tool for me. You did behave well and you did sort of, you were really motivated to improve yourself and be a good dad, a good husband, a, you know, all of those things. Um, and I've discovered since that that's something that is really missing. You know, what's your perspective on that looking backward? Was it a good thing, a bad thing, just overdone? Yeah, I, d- I don't hold any fond memories of those things okay. um, because I think to the way I experienced it. And I want to be really careful, Ben, even though I have some pretty strong feelings towards the church of God restoration or about them and ideas about them. um, These are my ideas and these are my opinions. So I want to be really careful that I don't sound like this is how it is. This is my experience. But I think those feelings, those experiences were used to ensure that you were trapped even deeper. Mm. And I think people that had uh, a real sensitivity, so for myself, Mm -hmm. a real sensitivity, Mm -hmm. made me especially malleable to what they (sighs) wanted from an ideal Christian. So um, my commitment level, you know, I, I, I smirk now when people go, well, maybe you were never a real Christian or maybe you didn't really, you weren't really convinced. I mean, I was yeah. in yeah. all the way I you. and, um, and I, and I believed it with every, <laughs> every ounce of strength that I had. I sincerely believed this was, this was it. So yeah, I look back at accusations and how to be a better person um, to become a better person from a place of fear, I do not think makes you a better person. Mm. I think it just makes you conform to a set of yeah. ideals. Whereas now I have the liberty, I can be whoever I want to be. Yeah. If I want to be a horrible dad, I mean, shame on me. If I want to be a horrible husband, shame on me. Mm-hmm. But my desire to be a good person, to be a good dad, to be uh, in, a, in a loving relationship with my wife comes from a place where I love the people I'm around with. Mm-hmm. And one thing that we preach <laughs> preach to our boys all the time is that love and kindness is what are the things that matter. It, yeah. You know, I tell my oldest, who's very, um, 
He's into truth. Truth must be spoken is his favorite line. Mm. And I'm like, I'm not interested in truth if it's not coming from a, if it does not exhibit kindness and love and compassion. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So, you know, I, I don't look back fondly on accusations. Accusations were, for me, mental torment. Mm. And it really put an incredible amount of anxiety, or I experienced an incredible amount of eternal anxiety just yeah am i good enough yeah i think that's universal i think it's baked in i think it's part of it we we noticed a phenomenon um you know i don't don't know if it was late in or while we were there or if it was since we left but it's something my wife and i've articulated that sometimes a person who's really conscientious almost would have difficulty knowing exactly what they're supposed to be doing because one Like you said, it's a, and I don't know that it's conscious. I don't know that preachers set out to do this, but sometimes it'll be preached, for example, hey, if you're really spiritual, your room's going to be made. You know, your bed, you're going to make your bed. You're going to come tight. You're going to comb your hair. Um, and another time it'll be like, if I come into your house and it's a mess, that's okay. If family's loving, it's having fun. That's the most important thing. And if you're too fastidious about all the little details, you're really missing the big picture. And, you know, there are people that really feel there these people speak the word of God. And so you really do become extremely conscientious about the rules, the standards, the things that are said and the direction, because holiness is a straight gate, you know, narrow is the way and the stakes are just super high. Am I going to make it to heaven? Am you know, Mm. is my loved ones going to make it there? Um, there yeah. are so many reasons to feel Am like... Am I going to miss it because I had a messy room? Yeah. Like, that's the thing, right? Yeah. And I think you hit a, you brought up a really good point. Ministers would get up, and I'm guilty of that as well, mm. and say, this is what God told me. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, now I look back at it, and it makes me laugh. You know, there's <laughs> the skeptic in me, you know, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, famines, disease, wars, and God's worried about your room. Right, I mean, it sure. just, it seems preposterous now. It's just, it's an incredible notion. Yeah. And so I think that's one of the faults that I look back now is the elevation of people who proclaim to speak the word of God. Mm-hmm. And I would argue I did it myself. So I'll just mm-hmm. talk about myself. Glibly mm-hmm. said this is what God told me to tell you guys. Mm, mm-hmm. And, and now, I mean, I look back now and I, it's, it was my zeal. It was my ideology that was speaking. It wasn't God that was speaking through me. And I would argue, you know, I would suspect there's many people who proclaim to speak the word of God and do so from a place of ideology. And then to your point, the conscientious people feel like, you know, they're, they're like a animal with four different leashes around their neck, all of them being yanked in different directions at different times. Yeah. And it becomes very confusing. Yeah. So in my day, we had Hilburn ranting and raving about whatever it was that he was on about. And Danny would come in and be on a different plane. Right. And Henry would be in a different yeah. And so they would say we're all united. Right. But it was because they talked about these details being critical to holiness and to your salvation. Yeah. When those little details didn't line up for the conscientious person, that was agonizing. Yeah. You know, how do you, how do you reconcile it? Because they're all telling us we're one. 
That's what makes Church of God so beautiful. We're yep. all we all believe the same thing. Yeah, but there were these little differences. That's hard. <laughs> and it, you know, and, it's hard. And and I it's think that agonizing when you're there. It is. It is. And I think that it generates um, some of the culture that was unique in my experience there. That of conscientiousness, there would be ministers' meetings where we would talk about whether or not you know a, a slipper should have a heel or not, mm. and, and and you know those things can be justified <laughs> as being important to spirituality because sure, everything's yeah, important. important. Everything's I important. Was critical. Yeah, and and it's one of the things I I loved about the saints initially. I, I said that too, right? They they're doing what the Bible says, and that is sort of the whole point. And so where do you draw that line and, and get off of that yeah. train? And it can go, I mean, it, we've seen it um, in all kinds of groups and religions that become just sort of obsessed with law, you know? And, yeah. and I think that when I reread Jesus, I see him trying to deal with that a lot, trying to deal with um, the, what, it's not what goes into you that makes you unclean, it's what comes out of you, like you said. Yeah. It's about, you know, loving kindness. It's not about yeah, sure. certain sets of behaviors or speaking German or things yeah. like that. That's not what's yeah. making you right. You know, we always grew up with the idea that Pharisees were these fanatical people. But many scholars will tell you now, no, they were they were the mainstream. They were the liberals, is my understanding. Yeah. Yeah. They were or, you know, I'll call them mainstream. Yeah. And. Um, but they they were very orthodox, you know, they, yeah, again, orthodox is such a strange word, or we've misused it so much, or I have, at least it's lost some of the meaning. But, um, but my point being, I, you know, um, I haven't paid attention to the words of Jesus as much as I used to, but I do, you know, I'm quite familiar with them. And, and I think to your point, you know, when they brought the woman found in adultery, um, Jesus did exactly the opposite of what the law, which his father had given to Moses mm -hmm. and decided to just tell the woman, hey, don't go, you know, just go and don't sin anymore. Yeah. And, um, you know, he had a, he, he tended to hang out with um, people that were backslidden to use a or good unclean. Yeah. Or unclean women. Mm -hmm. And and all these and so they said you know he, he's a sinner he hangs out with sinners he doesn't yeah, he's a keep wine himself right white pepper <laughs> and so we look at how exclusive we were we didn't interact with other people other than to evangelize them mm -hmm. whereas you know the teachings of Jesus seem to show he was pretty comfortable mm. being with them and hanging with them um, so there's a lot of examples that he was very contrarian to the law. And that he didn't really pay attention to the details. Hmm, like mm -hmm. we now proclaim that God is actually interested. Worried about those things. Like and I think the thing, Ben, that really got me the most is when I got to peek behind the curtain. Yeah. And see that there were a significant number of people who weren't as conscientious. Mm, yeah. Or at least it didn't seem to me they were conscientious. That was they were quite comfortable breaking some rules and not feeling some rules. remorse yeah. or guilt or repentance for it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's true. There's a spectrum of of obedience. And I've discovered that different people have different sort of lived experiences there because of that. Because if depending on how conscientious you were and how 
how much anxiety you gave yourself over certain things or how, how strictly you lived or didn't can really affect um, how tight, how tight it feels to be there. And now, you know, especially when you hear horrifying stories like those of Hilburn, yeah. um, you know, uh, these were people that were on in my time. I don't know what it was like in your time where David was, but in my time he was on a, elevated pedestal there were you know Mm -hmm. he was right up there danny had you know he was he was i guess the chief already back then without having the title yeah okay but aside from ron walters maybe there was no i mean hilburn was right up at the top and he was held in this high high position yeah and so to be able to you know i just want to loop in one other thing yeah when you talked about that feeling of anxiety the idea was always portrayed that we were all experiencing the same thing. So I felt I'm having this anxiety or I'm being really conscientious. You, Ben, are having the exact same thing. Yeah. And I think that's what made it so devastating when you got to peek behind the curtain. Yeah. That not everybody is approaching this the same way. And um, yeah, that can... Was that... that can be liberating, but it can also yeah. be devastating at the same time. Yeah, it can be both. They don't; those aren't mutually exclusive, are yeah. they? Uh, yeah. No. Was that was that sort of the catalyst for you to change your mind about it? Uh, no, um, had nothing to do with that. Okay. Um, for me, it was a trip to Germany, and I was a very compliant individual. I mean, when, when Danny said we should do whatever, I enforced it, I did it, and I did it with enthusiasm. Okay. I was not a like, oh, okay, you yeah. know, whatever. Um, I was very enthusiastic. And you were a kind of, me, ha- you were in a, you were a minister, right? You, you traveled with yeah. Danny? Yeah. I traveled with Danny. I, I did a lot. Um, yeah, you know, and, and <laughs> I don't. I don't brag about it because there's a part for the longest time I was embarrassed. It's only been in the last few years I've been able to reconcile and, and, um, and just hold it as a chapter in my life. And given that context that I was in, I was pretty good at it. Um, I was a pretty enthusiastic. I was decently well-spoken in contrast to some others. Um, And, you know, I had a, still think myself to have a pretty sharp sense of humor and um pretty quick with my words um so i was pretty you know i i was pretty good at it i think what did it for me though was when i traveled with him in germany i realized the absolute control and obedience that he expected and i felt a little Mm. bit of a pushing back and i actually confessed it to danny and felt bad that I had this attitude. But I think the one instance that for me would be kind of a, like if you want to have a mile marker mm-hmm. was we went to the, in LA, I was doing uh, meetings there with, uh, for Danny. And we went to the, to the uh, large um, shelter 
shelter. I forget what it's called, but it's really big. It's and it's pretty substantial. Like a homeless shelter. Water. Yeah, it's it's got a special name though. He used to go to Skid Row. Yeah, it's on Skid Row. Yeah, and it's it's one of the big. So we got okay. a tour of it, and this uh, well-spoken gentleman took us on a tour, and he described how. Um, they took different homeless people in and, you know, assessed what their medical needs were. And then they would assess their psychological needs, put them on detox and how important re-education was um, to get them educated again. And this was the director of the of the shelter. And it's big. Like, I'll have to I look think it I've been there. I think I and it turned out he used to be homeless. Right. OK. And the Bush family had been a significant contributor or donor in building all of this. And as we left, Danny made this scoffing remark about, you know, how important salvation is and what's all of this. It doesn't really matter. And I remember thinking to myself, my God, like, mm, all we do is go downtown, yeah. yell at them, get a couple guys, kneel down and pray. Mm. And then we jump in our vans and head back into, you know, the suburbs mm. and, most of the people that get saved on the street, <laughs> yeah. very few of them ever have any interaction with us again. Mm -hmm. And I believed how important theology and being the right teaching was. And I'm like, you know, I, I, I've got like profanity on the tips of my lips. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> You're fine. You're but, fine. You know, <laughs> we jump on, we jump in our van and, and we leave these poor people there yeah. and, Thank God for the opportunity. And, and that for me was a catalyst that mm. I literally went, what am I doing? Um, we, st I listen here to Danny criticize and I can see they're having an impact yeah. on the community. They are helping people, mm. but because they don't believe exactly like right. we do, That's it. I can now discount everything they've right. done right. and consider it worthless. Right. And that for me was, where I think I started to ask questions yes. or dare to maybe ask questions. Mm. And um, I don't know if I said it to you, but, you know, I was always taught to be afraid of the slippery slope that questions can bring you on. But I'm telling you, it's an exciting ride. And, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so questions are good. They're, they're really good. So what, that was the crack in the dam for you? And from there? That, I think I would call that the crack in my dam. Yeah. yeah and it's funny. It is funny how that happens. It was my experience too. It's you pull one card out of the house and suddenly yeah. the floodgates are opened. Um, yeah. And, and that's probably why there's a, there, I think instinctively maybe, um, or, or by experience, ministers have seen people go through that. And that's why those, they, those questions, those blurred lines, you know, keeping fence laws that keep you far from that line yeah. is so important because sometimes it does mm. only take one crack one yeah. one worldly friend and realize oh this person's yeah. not a monster yeah i was gonna I, as you were talking i was thinking um the other thing that always got me and i'm glad you brought that up meeting a worldly friend and mm -hmm. they're good they that you can tell they yeah they are genuinely right. good people too. Like, but they don't know jesus yeah. like where's this coming from yeah um, i i read about uh Mohandas gandhi uh, we went to India. I went with yeah, the saints, sure, a yeah. mission trip. We went, yeah. And I looked at the the tapestries and stuff, and I, and there's these Buddhist stories. And I was like, I don't know anything about this whole culture, but they obviously have yeah. an entire system here. And I was curious. 
Well, I ended up reading and reading about Gandhi and like he was a super good person. My he, goodness. Oh my word. And and he was yeah. so conscientious and and seemed so holy. Yeah. Just like I would read about Selfless. you know, Charles Finney. And you'd read about Gandhi, except, you know, he was a Hindu. And yeah. and, I, and I I that was a problem for me. I even asked Brother Randy about it when we spoke when I was kind of on my way out. You know, yeah. is it what is the difference? Is it about holiness or is it about allegiance? And mm. I've, I've watched for this since then because it seems like it comes down to that for so many, we'll call them sects in the, in the DS Warner way, you know, people that draw a box around who's holy and who's in and who's not. Yeah. Um, and it becomes about really which flag you wave. If you talk long sure. enough, it often is about being in the in-group. And that yeah. is more important because somebody can be a really mediocre member of your community and go to heaven and mm-hmm. be a saint of, as a Hindu and and they're you know go fit to, to be burned. Yeah. You know, as a kid, that was a significant source of cognitive dissonance for me. And I used to ask my mom about that. What about good people? So for me, it was Catholics. And in history, we learned about, you know, um, uh, Catholic missionaries coming to Canada and working amongst the Iroquois and mm-hmm. and them uh, suffering martyrdom. And I was like, Mom, are they going to actually go to hell? Because, like, they suffered martyrdom. They mm-hmm. did it for Jesus to try to tell the indigenous people about Jesus. We won't mention all the other things they did to indigenous people, but let's pretend sure. they were there for <laughs> the thought experiment. soul winning purposes alone. Yeah. No money was, uh, you know, um, in, in play. Yeah. And that was a source of cognitive dissonance yeah. and, um, you know, classmates. I'm like, so mom, are these, are my classmates going to go to hell? And right. it's like, you know, unless they, you know, God will judge, but you know, just that implication that yeah they most likely will go to hell and that was a that was for the longest time a source of real cognitive dissonance and you know you can either knuckle double down and you know that's where our discussion before about accusations is just go okay this accusation or now i would call it you know maybe a cognitive dissonance or um you know, it just doesn't make sense. You would just double down and pray it away. Just, you know, me- we called it praying through, but you kind of just mantra your way through it, you know? You don't just look like, at it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, I'm just going to push it away. It's the devil mm-hmm. that's showing me this. Right. I'm not going to look it's, at it. I'm it's not gonna dangerous to interact with it. Exactly. I do, I've yeah. heard the ministers say, I don't let my mind go certain places. Like I, Sure. And... Yeah. And and that's the solution for some of those things. This is why when you do begin thinking those thoughts, they're so potent because you're not inoculated to them. You're not really taught um, yeah. how to interact with them safely. Sometimes think critically, read outside materials, um, and then it's those the, things hit you. First time I heard of the concept of non-duality, I just thought it was just the craziest thing I'd ever heard. Very and, difficult uh, to understand for and, me. And, and, a, and a loving per- person that I love dearly was trying to tell me about it. And I was like, this is really messed up. Like, okay. Whatever. There's truth and there's lies, you know? Um, but it does, it does it's uh, when you can start to, or when I started to be able to understand that concept, yeah. that you can hold ideas that are foreign to you and yeah. be able to, eval- you know, look at them, behold them, and just 
you know, be there. So and anyways, that's maybe going off the No, no, I, it's very good. Um, can I can I read you one of my favorite jokes on this topic? It's a I'm yeah, going to sure. read it because it's a little long, <laughs> but I think the payoff is worth it. <laughs> uh, okay, I once, I once saw this guy up on a bridge about to jump, and I said, don't do it. And he said, nobody loves me. And I said, God loves you. Do you believe in God? And he said, yes. I said, are you a Christian or a Jew? And he said, a Christian. And he said, me too. Are you Protestant or Catholic? And he said, Protestant. And I said, me too. What franchise? And he said, Baptist. And I said, me too. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? Northern Baptist. Me too. Northern Conservative Baptist, Northern Liberal Baptist. And he said, Northern Conservative Baptist. And I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist, Great Lakes Region, or Northern Conservative Baptist, Eastern Region. And he said, Northern Conservative Baptist, Great Lakes Region. And I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist, Great Lakes Region Council of 1879, or Northern Conservative Baptist, Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. And he said, Northern Conservative Baptist, Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. And I said, die, heretic. And I pushed him off the bridge. (laughs) (laughs) It's no good. Uh, But yeah. That's only funny because it's true. (laughs) Yeah, it's too true. It's too true. And and it's, um, you know, when when you're also taught that there that there, not, I'm not saying that there isn't truth, but that truth is contained in this book, or that it's very knowable and it's very definable, and we and we have it, um, mm. you know, we can touch it, and we and we should. Uh, the gates of hell won't prevail against it, and all these thoughts really lead to a dogmatic way of thinking. Yeah. That you're right doesn't always accord with reality because life is so messy, mm. and mm-hmm. and 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 even in the Bible there, are, thou shalt not kill. Well, God orders lots of murders in the Bible. And I think yes, it's... Some would argue genocide. Genocide. You know. And mm-hmm. the thing is, killing isn't always wrong. You can't live without some killing. You know, you've got to mm-hmm. somewhere interpret these things, um, allow for nuance in these things. And that's why the letter kills. And again, Jesus says, it's it's a more living thing. The, the sum of the yeah. law is just to love a person. And sometimes that can come yeah. out... You know, to tell the truth, you mentioned that. There are multiple ways to tell the truth. Um, sure. You can tell yeah. the truth in a very hurtful way. Yeah. And be like, hey, I'm, I'm loving you. I pre- I'm preaching hard or I was I really tear you down. And sometimes that works and it is appropriate. And sometimes that's not the thing. And what makes the difference is whether or not you're doing that in love. You're seeking the best good of the person you're doing it to. There's got to be some humility in understanding the origins of what we perceive as truth. So this might be, uh, I'll give it, this will be a bad example. I'm trying to grow a mustache right now. So if you said because of Movember, my boys have put me up to it. And it's horrible. I I look at it and I literally laugh at myself. It looks so ridiculous. Um, You know, if you were to say, hey, Rob, your mustache is ugly. From a context of the general population, that's true. Sure. But is okay. it actually true? Do you know what I mean? I know what you and, mean. And sometimes, I think a lot of time, what is proclaimed to be true is nothing more than a bias of a large group of people mm-hmm. and imposing that idea mm-hmm. on others. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that we have 1,700 plus sects within Christianity and who knows how many religions in the world. Yeah. It shows you that truth is not as simple as we'd like to think it is. Or it's much more simple than <laughs> sure. it is. It's one of the two, right? But sure. everyone is standing in his in their street. Well, most of the time it's his street corner 
wildly and loudly proclaiming, I got it figured yeah. out. Right. If you guys just did it the way I tell you to do it, this world would be a lot better place. Yeah. Or maybe it is as simple as what John talked about in his uh, gospel, which makes him kind of seem like he's out in the left field. Mind you, we do a lot of pretzels trying to reconcile it with the rest of the gospels, but maybe he was onto something, the idea that that God is not, you know, the old man up in the sky mm-hmm. who set bushes on fire and um, instructed people to commit genocide. Maybe he is truly, or they are, she is, whatever gender. Mm-hmm. Um, they are love. Love yeah. is what God is. God is love. So those two are interchangeable. Right. And I heard a really good thing that helped me in my journey was uh, a scholar said that the Bible is a collection of books of people trying to figure out who God is. Yeah. And and I think that's a pretty, you know, I like that. That. Mm-hmm. there's probably people right now rending their clothes and looking for ash to put on their heads, but that's okay. Um, but I think it's a, for me, it's, it's a really good way to look at it. I love is, it. You know, what are we trying to figure out? I think to, you know, whichever way you think about God, we got to admit he's pretty big, but there's a lot of us that me included thought we had him all figured you had, out. You had him and, titled and, and named. Yeah. Never dealt with any of the complexities or, you know, what it could be. So. Well, I, I've thought a lot about this. Um, it, it's one of the reasons I really liked Hinduism when I began kind of realizing what it was about, because they don't necessarily believe that there's, there are thousands of gods there, but that's because there are thousands of people and almost every sure, individual yeah. person experiences God in a unique way because, you know, there's a mm. medicine that's medicine for you. That's poison for me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we have different needs. We're different expressions of love, mm-hmm. um, of that one same thing. And, uh, as soon as you begin to um, give God attributes, like gender, let's say. Bad example, I don't think, I think there are very few people who think God is a grandfather, bearded guy in the sky. But as an example, and you can extrapolate from there, you are by definition wrong about what God is, could be, because Mm -hmm. God must be ineffable, something unspeakable, something... Mm. That also includes femininity, let's say. Sure. Um, and I think that that's one way in which even people who believe in, a, in an immaterial God still put borders around him in the same way that the Israelites made a golden calf. Mm. You can take the God, the fire that you meet on the mountain, this exciting thing, this feeling you feel that the Bible authors are trying to express in, in many ways, mm. And you can cast it into gold and it doesn't move anymore and it's dead and it's Mm. the rules we were talking Mm. about. Instead of being something dynamic that changes person to person and as the world changes, the world is a mess. Like we said, it's wiggly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, no, that's, I like the idea of uh, the golden calf being, it doesn't move anymore. It doesn't have, yeah, it's not animated. And neither does, does a God, who has been defined by tradition or fiat. Sure, that's right. Um, I I always find it amusing is that, you know, uh, Adam had an idea of God. Noah had an idea of God. Mm. And we'd like to think that their ideas were exactly the same. Sure. 
I, I think there's evidence to show that it, their ideas weren't the same. Yeah. Then you've got the prophets depicting God in various ways. Yeah. Um, you have them sometimes talking about his incredible love and his long suffering and patience. But then you got Samuel telling, you know, Saul, go kill everybody and don't leave anybody. Right. And then he is really annoyed that he dared to leave some some, some of the people alive. Well, yeah. the king, he kept the king alive. King right? Agag, I think. Uh, right. And then you have more long suffering God, but then a couple of guys make fun of Elijah. Yeah. And, you know, he <laughs> commands bears to come out and maul them. Right? Yeah. So kids, those were, those were young people. Yeah. Yeah, you have these contradicts that yeah. I've, I've read enough of Theobros <laughs> making themselves into pretzels trying to explain all of these things. But I think when you start going and saying, I think this is a book about people trying to understand who God is, then I think you can see an evolving of how people view God. And then that the later days, or you know, as time progressed, we actually saw a person who embodied love a selfless love right and that should be our ideal and so i was really surprised when i learned that you know early christianity had a lot of basis in uh sorry i'll turn this off had a lot of basis in mysticism yeah but we've done away with mysticism we don't like mysticism because it is too fluid yeah it has too much interpretation mm -hmm. for individuals mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i'm amused now that you know we've had an evolving of doctrine and uh, with John Calvin, we kind of put a neat, tidy Absolutely. bow on it and said, Christianity in general, I know Christi uh, Church of God Restoration is uh, still evolving, which yep. which does amuse me. Yep. Um, but, you know, in general uh, Protestantism, we kind of put the bow on theology with John Calvin. Mm -hmm. And, there, you know, there's a couple other guys, but from a majority standpoint, our thought, our thought hasn't necessarily evolved much since then. Um, we've done a lot of, you know, boxing people in. Anyway, so I, you know, I, I to your point, looking at Hinduism, Buddhism, um, there's a sense that's very liberating about it. It doesn't yeah. mean that um, it's <laughs> it's got all the answers. I think humble people in every religion acknowledge that there's more to be understood about the nature of humanity and the nature of who God is. Yeah, I definitely agree. So circling back then to this change of mind in you, was there conflict with your leaving? You have, you have family that's in and, 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 you know, how did it kind of get discovered if you will? So, um, my mom noticed that I was tormented okay. <laughs> or, you know, there was something bothering me. And uh, I did a pretty good job of How old keeping were you? it. So we, I would have been uh, 23. Okay. Um, and I was in real, like, what am I doing here? That that I, I can't see my way through this anymore. Yeah. And the part that I uh, had to smile when I listened to your podcast was the fact that you actually did go and ask questions. I mm. did a little bit, but I realized really quickly, uh, you'll that's get not cool. Really yeah, quickly. that's not cool. <laughs> so yeah, there, this is, so we have to be, we have to clarify for people who don't understand. There are appropriate questions, which you will get a pat on the back and say, yeah. wow, 
brother Ben. <laughs> yes. How do I get more of the Lord? Great question. Love it. Even if you do, I used to phrase it like, I remember saying, I think Pat Jr. and I, we used to disagree about, I thought man was was two parts and he thought he was three and we would talk about that. And that's not a high stakes sure. issue, but I would even phrase it a def- in deference like, I, I know you're right, but I don't see how. <laughs> that's the appropriate sure. questioning mindset is yeah. I'm here to learn. I, I always did. So if I had an appropriate question, I would do it for exactly like that. How do I learn more? How do I get more light? Because we were in the, you know, God's now, you know, heaven's been dark. Heaven's been quiet for a half Oh, yeah. Hour, after the silence. Now, yep. you know, now we've uh, now we've got new light. So new light is coming. And so okay. the idea was, how do I get more light? But when you started to question, in my mind, the authority of who Danny was and why exactly does he have this incredible authority over everybody. Um, and then to my, the, what I was telling you about the catalyst for me was just looking at other organizations doing meaningful transformational work uh-huh. with people who need it. And, you know, we come screeching in, jump out of our vans, sing our hearts out preach a fire and brimstone sermon and then jump back in our vans and head to the suburbs. So I really had to hold that inside of me. And, uh, and um, so I made a commit. So here was another thing that helped me know that (laughs) a lot of things that they taught just weren't true. It's funny now, but my God, I tell you, the anxiety I I had, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. So (laughs) I was like, I'm out, but I'm still preaching, right? Oh, but you in your heart said, I'm done. I'm out. Okay. So I believe that when I go to church on Sunday, Henry will know. (laughs) Henry Hildebrand, so you're in Elmer. Yeah. Well, I'm telling you, <laughs> they were all waiting for me to preach. I hadn't made, I hadn't gotten anything ready because I was so oh, confident. <laughs> you thought this is the swan song, okay? And I'm like, hmm. hmm. I, I I guess the spirit didn't uh, reveal to him. Interesting. That, uh, you know, so I I realized that that was like a peek behind the curtain. I'm like, ah, yeah, uh, okay. the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you've done a test. This is just. This is a ritual we play. We we watch each mm-hmm. other's body language, right? Sure. And sure, uh, sure. you know, every you know, all the ministers are sitting perfectly still, and you know, everybody's glooping out of the. Nobody wants to eyes. get up at the same time <laughs> as somebody else. That's the worst because then somebody's some wrong. Guy goes, reaches down, grabs his Bible, and if Danny said "Amen," everybody else was like, "You're done." <laughs> I remember one time at camp meeting. Uh, it was my first camp meeting. So it was my first time really interacting with the with the larger congregation because up in Alaska we just had like a few families and so sure. two song not numbers were called. Back then, eh? It was what I said. Not as much spirit leading up there, right? Eh? You just plug even more and... more spirit leading in a sense because it really did feel <laughs> more um, uh, uh, a little less organized, I guess. <laughs> um, sure. Okay. So so two people call the number at the same time. Um, in service for people that don't know this how they do song service they have hymnals and someone just feels inspired by the spirit to say number 245 and calls it out Uh, and then the song leader will be like okay and you always thought it was really magical how like the there would be like oh there's like a theme you know and we were we really rejoicing Uh today it's like yeah 
I mean, you knew I, I'm not going to call us this funeral dirge if we're all celebrating. So, uh, but two people call at the same time. My first camp meeting, and Danny gets in the pulpit and he goes, "Somebody's out of the spirit." The Holy Ghost did not want two songs at the same time, and he like rebuked these two <laughs> poor people who were probably already mortified. Well, one poor person, one person would win, right? Yeah, because the person in the pulpit, then the song leader would get to decide who was in the spirit. Because be like, "We're going to do yeah. two forty-five," and you're like, "Yes, yeah, 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 yeah." You better go pray through tomorrow. Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah. And those are the oh kinds of, those are the little things that will give you accusations. Okay. You'll feel like a heel for at least the rest of the oh. day and you'll feel like, "Whoa, especially if the apostle gets up and says something like that, you're supposed to feel that way." And here here's the other thing that other people might not understand. So just to give a little more context, if the opposite of being in the spirit is to be carnal. Yeah. To be carnal yeah. is to be sinful. I mean, it's Absolutely. Like, That's not saved. It's like know, Absolutely. It's so black or white. And and I alluded to that yeah. too, because doubt, the Holy Ghost leads us into all truth. Well, if you're not in all yeah. truth, there was some kind of <laughs> doubt yeah. and doubt is sin. And it's just so black or white that it is. Such a vicious circle you could yeah, get it's yourself very difficult. into. Yeah, very difficult. So yeah, for, for a year. Um, a year you went with, with doubts in your heart and expressed? No, that I was a, I was a, um, I had a little bit of baggage. I won't get into that. Okay. But there were family members that wanted to leave as well, but uh, were scared. And yeah. So I was appeasing them. Um, and then I made my break, and my mom didn't believe me. And so they, uh, I had. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean, kind major, of major break? Like you ran I away? Told her I'm oh, you told leaving. her. I'm leaving. And so oh, she told Ron bluffing. Walters, okay. and you know they did a bunch of counseling with me over the phone, and it's kind of ironic now because you know Ron's out himself. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, at the time, you know, just trying to help me work through my doubts, mm -hmm. and I played along. You yeah. Know? Um, I, I look back at it, and I think it no, not think it was a way to survive. So um, yeah, you could define it as being hypocritical. But it was for me, for the greater good of survival mm -hmm. and just getting out of there. I look back at it now and um, yeah, call me a hypocrite. But that's what I had to do to get through it. I get it. Um, and so then I told mom again, I'm, I'm out. I can't do this. And she wouldn't believe me. So I wrote a letter. And uh, it's, uh, it, was, uh, it was the evening of February 14th, Valentine's Day. Uh, I took that letter and stuck it in Henry Hildebrandt's mailbox mm. and told him, I'm done. Wow. Um, and then um, the whole brigade came to Elmer, but before they got here, I jumped on a plane and left the country. Sometimes that's... And I was gone for a few months, do. and that was that was the break I needed. You got to make a and clean break. And I came break. back, and, and I mean, it was rough, man. Did, did Brother you, Danny, I don't know what did, your experience was. Did Brother Danny contact you, try to talk you through it? No, I left. So I, I knew that he would be contacting me and um, who knows, I could have, I would have probably been convinced to stay. Who knows? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. But I knew I had to get away and, um, and um, yeah, I mean, you know, the interesting thing about Danny was he was an easy man to love. I mean, he was right. so charismatic. Mm -hmm. uh, he could, he could mold himself to accommodate people to to show interest in you um but at the same time 
make no mistake about it. He was uh, a lot of people don't know this part about him. He could be equally cruel and cold. He was serious about uh, what he was doing. Gotten, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, he didn't have all those people obeying his uh, commands by being just a uh, nice guy. That's the side that, you know, most people would think I'm speaking blasphemy. Same with when I talk about my mom. I don't talk yeah. about, you know, I, I talk about the, the you know, she was mom. Yeah. Um, but people, people have this idea, you know, this ideal version of her as a saint. Yeah. Of what they saw in church. And then this ideal, you know, holiness people are the same in church or out of church. I beg to differ. Mm. And, uh, you know, um, but... <laughs> But that's just regular Everybody's humanity. Everybody's human. Yeah. You know, the the way I am with you, I'd like you to think that I'm always jovial and friendly and soft-spoken and with a little bit of humor mixed in, but I'm not, you right, know. Right. But I think that's right. that's the problem that they run into is they think that their ministers are always the way I mean, now I look at the ministers at camp meetings, that was not present when when I was there, there was not that buddy, buddy golfing around, slapping each other oh, okay. as fire and brimstone is being preached on the people. Um, you mean in, the, in the crowd, the, the rejoicing or the familiarity with the ministers that they have now? If somebody was preaching fire and brimstone, okay. I would not be high-fiving Henry beside me mm. or Danny and yeah, doing okay. a belly laugh because, you know, spiking the football being addressed, right? Yeah. There was a solemnity a sobriety, there was a solemnness as a, uh, a real fire and brimstone sermon was being preached. Whereas now, you know, uh, this might rile some people, but when I was getting ready for my W5 uh, interview, um, I'd been out of the loop for such a long time, I thought I might as well just familiarize myself. Okay. So I watched the Oklahoma meetings, and, and I was really taken aback at, at how, I mean, I let, let's first of all be really care. I, I couldn't care less sure. what they do in their services. Sure. But nonetheless, I was taken aback at, wow, this is really changed. Really like, different. There is definitely a minister's clique here. And mm -hmm. they seem to be a different crowd than the rest of the people. Yeah. Um, I, I remember it bothering me the first day we had meeting. Um, the, the minister sat up front and sort of had special seating. That's always been. And I thought, yeah, then I just thought, been. oh, okay, I get it. They... They are sitting on the wings so that they can see the crowd mm. and because they need to be sure. in proximity to the stage to get up front. But, um, mm. but there was one time, and it was it was sweet. It's not a big thing. I'm not going to make a mountain out of it. But I, when I kind of realized I'd made it into that inner circle, I, I went to Steinbeck for um, just like a getaway from the mission. And they yeah. and we like sat in the pews or something, and the deacon came up and was like, "No, no, brother Ben, come right up here," and like sat me in the front on the wings, not because I was, I, just as an honorific. It was an honorific, sure. um, and there's nothing wrong with honoring your leaders, but it, it it's a, it's again a fine line between that and um, having a second class and a first class citizenry. Sure. Oh. And that's what it is. Like, I, I know you can try to define it away and call it whatever. It is. God's that's exactly what it is. Apostles, but it is. It's, it's well, got another class of people. Yeah. You know, and I'd be interested to talk with them some and hope I get the chance to about even titles, you know, chief apostle and stuff mm. is some stuff that's new. <laughs> they weren't calling. 
I wasn't aware that that Danny was called an apostle to his face or ever heard him. So say Danny, that. when I was there, Danny would allude Same. that he allude. was filling an apostle, the a role of an apostle. Right. One time he was he was there ripping was up this brother. He was giving this brother just the business, and his beard was shaking, and a, a poor brother. And um, I bet this brother remembers this and. Brother made some objection, and he goes, well, brother, that's because the title of your calling doesn't begin with an A. And that was the closest I ever heard him get to saying he was an apostle. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, sure. Like, there, I, there was that humility, right? <laughs> which I appreciate. I, I, I mean, sure, yeah. No, it comes across really well. Yeah. And it, it, it's better than the alternative. He knew he was an apostle, but he would never say it. Yeah. And now you got a, you know, you got these individuals who are writing scripture and uh, meeting John in the spirit. Yeah, it's um, a lot of hubris. Calling themselves chief apostle. I don't know. And if, if all of them become chief apostles, yeah, there's there's that? three now. <laughs> I know. Well, the circles <laughs> kind of so get smaller. Chiefs. You know, it used to be there's there's ordained ministers, and that was like. All right, that's the that's the upper Ooh, echelon. There's special. there's nine of them. There's twelve yeah. of them. But then there's fifteen. Then there's twenty five. And then it's like, well, you got to shrink the circle to make sure there's this sort of elite cabal. I think it's yeah. And yeah. we get it, twelve apostles, and even that has an inner ring inside of it, and a and a very hierarchical polity uh, that I think I would really changed. be interested. This is genuine. Yeah. Um, just for curiosity, how did they establish? Who was a chief apostle? Uh, oh, who was the chief? Well, and I want to know that too. Yeah, I think I think was was fasting and prayer involved in this? Was um, I'm kind of uh, curious how how, and how I'm how, saying that a little bit with a smirk on my face, but <laughs> um, yeah, it amuses a good question. me. I mean, what, what are some of the other guys saying? Like, whoa, wait a minute, I've been around the block too. You know, I know I was passed um, over. Like, like remember when they voted? Over. To replace Judas, there was another candidate. That guy must have felt like, ah, oh, I was. Yeah, but so close. Henry preached the sermon on how they didn't do it in the spirit, and they oh. cast lots. Little did they know that God had ordained had Paul. Paul. Okay, <laughs> waiting at the wings. So I don't know what happened to the guy that replaced Judas. If he was kind of like the squeaky wheel, or <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> He's the, the forgotten thirteenth apostle. <laughs> Apostle. <laughs> so you must have seen though um you were there right during the era it sounds like when uh there was kind of a consolidation of power wasn't there because wasn't the 2000 split um sort of based on the fact that danny was now he's the seventh trumpet angel now his word is law he even said one time jokingly in a charming way that when he preached the seventh trumpet message one year he preached it as like what do y'all think of this and then the next year it was it was doctrine and you had to believe it mm. you must have witnessed some of that or was that pretty well established so we joined late 90s 1990 itself late 1990 and at that time it was a seventh trumpet. We were in the seventh trumpet. Okay. And, um, but Danny always taught it as the seventh angel was the ministry 
Yes. That was now being not raised up. So that yeah. would have been Danny, Ron, Hilbin. So let's break you know, in real Kenny. quick for people that are uninitiated. And I do plan to do a, a, this in a episode to talk through this, but we haven't done it yet. But the church reads the Revelation as historical, the book of Revelation. Sure. They look at the seven mm. trumpets as sort of seven chunks of church history. Um yeah, and theological advancements yeah. of each trumpet. Mm-hmm. Big, <laughs> big shifts. Maybe like the first right. apostasy or well, holiness they, they is discovered. Well, they more light being revealed. Yeah, like a so we got, restoration. We're now at the pinnacle of mm-hmm. light. So I don't know everything how is restored. This represents, but yeah, we've we've got the flashlight of all flashlights. Exactly, um, and so that's what we mean when we're talking about the seventh trumpet. That. He, he was reading himself into the Revelation and realizing, oh, yeah. this is the best uh, version of the church that I'm leading. Yeah. Um, and this is the final chapter. This so is this the is final where chapter. they always refer, we've read the end of the book and we win. Right. That's a Danny phrase. Right. At least I heard it from him. Yep. I don't know where mm-hmm. he got it from. Yeah. But uh, now I hear every, you know, Henry loves to use it. You know, I read the <laughs> end of the book and we win. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. And how do you view? Um, I know you didn't. You, you were saying you didn't kind of keep up in the in the mid. Uh, you've kind of gotten back into following some of the some of the church changes and stuff. Do you, my take? I, I lived in Alaska and then I lived in Mexico and again always kind of separated from the real, maybe maybe inner workings. I don't know. Um, but I didn't experience. The kind of um, the kind of anything that felt draconian, maybe we weren't allowed to use the internet. We had all the rules and stuff, but it seems to me that the church now is positioning itself, even with a lot more hubris. But then I hear sometimes people like you talk and be like, "No, Brother Danny insisted upon obedience and knew he was, you know." had this special anointing and all of that. Do you see that it's grown? I don't, I'll say worse in that way or more extreme in that way. Or is, um, is this just the natural outgrowth of the far same thing? To be able yeah. to give you an accurate opinion. I can tell you what I experienced with Danny. Yeah. Danny did have the final word. Absolutely. All the ministers that deferred to him. If yep. anybody mm. pushed back a little, it might've been Ron would have okay. pushed back and he had enough credibility uh, to be able to do so, but everybody else deferred to Danny. Mm. And if anybody questioned Danny, we saw the repercussions. I mean, those people were out and they were, you know, there was yeah. <laughs> one of the brothers meetings that I was at and, uh, you know, the discussion of masturbation came up and there was some leeway given to it by Danny well, there was somebody else who had gospel trumpet tracks, oh, you know, denouncing. And so, you know, he was like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, the, the early brothers uh, said this was horrible. Well, yeah. he was person non grata uh, mm-hmm. pretty quick. So Danny did have, Yeah, he was much more polished, though, I would argue. Maybe I that's mean, it. I, I look at Ray, um, uh, to me... <laughs> 
he has he has so many mannerisms of Danny. So many. It's comical. Yeah. He, like, he's doing what he inherited. The walks, yeah. the cadence of his The cadence voice. of his preaching. I, I just, the preach, it's just, it's a, it's a mini Danny who's bigger yeah. than Danny in real life, you know? Yeah. Um, so I find that amusing. To me, that's amusing for an individual to, to take on so many mannerisms of another person. But Danny was much more polished in the sense that his authoritarianism was um, much more subtle, but it was still incredibly effective. So, you know, like he said yeah, that uh, when he got up and said, you know, the Holy Spirit wouldn't have two songs come out. Right. You know, that is, yeah. he is addressing an issue. And but there's more stagecraft. In a polished way and to shut up and know your place. Don't get out place. of your lane again, yeah. right? But he didn't um, say it. I think today it's more shocking because it's said. Blunt force. Like, how much blunt force can you exhibit? Yeah. And, and, you know, that's now re viewed as being truthful and being, uh, yeah, pronouncing truth. So, I mean, to compare it to now, I, I, I'm just not in there enough. And me watching a couple sure. of YouTube videos doesn't get <laughs> I just get a sense. Yeah, it's hard I to get, get a, a sense. sense and, uh, and it's not an accurate sense. And, and I'll continue to acknowledge that. That's why I'm so excited that the apostles are going to come on here and talk directly because... <laughs> I I know I even got some feedback from the the first few episodes, and some corrections in there that are legit. You know that sure because your memory gets fuzzy and becomes biased and yeah and and I'll say that right now. Yeah, you know, I left in '94. Yeah, you know, so sure. I'm coming up to my 30th anniversary yeah. here. So yeah, if you hear some things that uh, you know to the audience that. Hey, that's, I'm not maliciously trying to misrepresent anything. Um, you know, I don't have an ax to grind anymore. The, this to me, um, and I know the, the only way I can explain how I view the things going on in the Church of God restoration is it's like listening to my boys argue about who Santa is. Like, it's okay. amusing to me. I find it interesting. I get insight about it, but I don't, I don't have a, you know, a, here anymore did you did it did it haunt you at all uh, you were a pastor weren't you for a while after like a like a protestant pastor no oh I once i left church of god now um the calling that i felt on my life stayed with me for many many years okay. and i had uh lofty intentions of pursuing a career in in ministry. Oh, okay. Um, I even had ministers in other sects come up to me out of the blue one time, you know, out of the blue, has God called you to preach? And I'm like, what? How do you do know? You know, okay. Um, and others, you know, implying, and I think what they were taking advantage of is, uh, you know, here's a person that's decently, you know, I can speak and I know my, I know my Bible pretty yeah. well, mm -hmm. especially when I went to other, after I went to other <laughs> Comparatively. Sectors, I knew my Bible you sure backwards did. and forwards. That's right. <laughs> you know, um, and so, you know, they're like, whoa, you know, did you go to Bible school? And I'm like, no, I just read my Bible a lot. <laughs> so how did you, how did you, you transitioned from COG into more mainstream Christianity, it sounds like. How'd you sort? So for years, though, things? I didn't go to church. You didn't? Okay, I did you took a big break. I did a detox. 
and yeah. and was that traumatic the that those interim years was was it like confusion and nihilism or just pause button um so i i maintained a very deep faith or a very active faith in god in jesus so i drifted more towards the evangelicals that are more calvinist so like mm -hmm. john macarthur i loved yeah. john macarthur yeah. chuck swindoll so there was a um element within their preaching of the grace of god mm. and in the love of jesus um that if that we are sin or you know they called us sinners but that there's grace in that so you know if you died <laughs> you wouldn't you didn't have to have this immaculate you talked about before. pressure, right? Mm -hmm. You got relief from that pressure without giving up but, part of the great stuff. But there was also that pressure. If you do live sinful, maybe you weren't saved after. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, you know, you got to keep a carrot. Yeah. Checks and balances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, but, so I left in 94. I went back to university in 95 and I finished up in 98. I did not go to church. So it wasn't till after that that I ended up going back to church. And so I went to an evangelical community church, but it was pretty conservative in the sense of doctrine. But they had regular worship music, um, um, but their doctrine was, you know, sound. So I, yeah. I did that for a few years. Um, my wife, I met my wife there. We got married. And then in the probably about 2004 2005 uh, we became more progressive and we went to a presbyterian church also very theologically like from a theology standpoint very very um sound okay. is the word i'm looking for but you know they did things like baby baptism and so our other evangelical friends kind of okay know, like what are you guys doing yeah <laughs> you're wandering from the path <laughs> and um and um, so we we stayed there until we went to Africa for our second adoption, which was 2019. And uh, essentially during COVID, um, okay. stopped going, you know, churches were down and um, yeah. started enjoying Sunday mornings. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> the pace of life. <laughs> yeah. So do you maintain so, um, do you maintain any spiritual practices, anything that that helps? Um, yeah, I do. Um, I discovered meditation. Um, so not of a sense, the kind that I like to do is holding thoughts, um, looking at thoughts that come to mind rather than pushing them away. Mm. Why do I behave? Why do I act in, a, in the way that I do? Um, so it has elements of uh, Buddhism in there, um, more from a psychological standpoint. Um, there's a guy called um, Richard Schwartz. He does the internal family systems. Okay. And so I use that as part of my meditation, and I find it very helpful. Hmm. Um, I uh, One of the things that it's really helped me in combination with therapy. So for years, I used to be embarrassed to say that I went to therapy, but... Um, I'm a I'm a jujitsu practitioner, and That's right. one of the things that I learned in jujitsu was sometimes you got to ask for help on how to do yeah. a move. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so to get coaching 
is is a is is a uh, it makes a difference in your life yeah. or in your you know in your jujitsu um, and in and your so inner I just life. Realized yeah. I, I was like you know I I need help and um, and I I did therapy and and the gentleman that I did therapy with um, incorporated internal family systems and it's for me it's the modality that gives words to what's going on. Um, but what it has done for me is I went from a very noisy head, the, 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 um, commentary, nonstop commentary. Yeah, I know it. Judgmental, uh, towards others, towards myself, self doubt, all those things. Worry. Um, the worry, yes. Anxiety has just, it's like living with an insane roommate. Transformational for me. Yeah, me too. I am, um, I'm, you know, I'm much more at peace with other people. I don't feel anxiety when I'm around people. If I do, I, I have a way to quickly bring myself back mm-hmm. and, and be in a calm state. Um, I used to interrupt a lot. I noticed I did a few times here, but hopefully you don't mind. But, Not at all. you know, things like I would interrupt, talk over people. I'd get really fast. I got to talk because I was just like, I got to get my point out. All of you guys can just shut up. Right. (laughs) But that was what was going on inside Mm -hmm. of my head. And, um, but the other thing that it did for me because, um, what it did for me was when I got, when we got our second son, um, he activated the violence that I had grown up with. Mm. And um, I caught myself just before I went into a rage Mm. and would have beaten him. Um, And it really scared me. And that's when I went into really um, in-depth therapy. Like, where's this rage coming from? Mm. Um, I always swore to myself I wasn't going to do to my kids what had been done to me. Um, and that's how I discovered in, and I realized. <laughs> I always tell the boys, if you got to compare, you're cheapening your experience. But one of the things that I always, and I'm saying that because one of the things that I think made me a very conscientious Christian was my pursuit of peace. Mm. And so I got really good at feigning peace Interesting. And, and being appearing to be a peaceful person okay and to be able to testify that i was a peaceful person and if you met me i was a peaceful person but inside i was on a razor's edge and our youngest son really exposed what a razor's edge that was Mm. and it really scared me um and so i think you know when you asked what has that done for me um i am a peaceful person or i'm I'm very close to what I consider to be a peaceful that is, person. That's really great. And and it's not indifference. That's the thing I want to really okay. emphasize. I am very involved. We have very well-established boundaries with our boys, but we enforce them from a place of peacefulness. Not violence. And, um, mm-hmm. so, balance. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Right? It sounds like your process it is something like instead of avoiding a thought you engage more fully with it so if would you you would hold your anger there and and experience it and feel it or express it safely 
and it causes so, it to uh, go away. I'll do a shameless plug here for Richard Schwartz. Yeah, please. No bad I'm interested. Read the book. Yeah. What, what's so the book title again? No bad parts. No bad parts. So it's to look at that anger and to almost view it as a person. Mm -hmm. And so it is, where did this anger come from? What is it that that anger needs? And I'm going to do a little judging here because I think it gives context. So in the past, I would have viewed that as being really touchy-feely. Sure. But there is, there's tremendous liberating... It's a liberating exercise is to be able to understand those parts of yourself. And so I understood where my anger came from. I know where my rage came from because I experienced that anger and I experienced that rage. And, um, and so it's one thing to bite your lip and kind of mentally tie your hands and say, I'm not going to beat my kid. I'm not going to beat my kid. Mm. But that's very hard to live that way. But to be able to come to the place where I can take a deep breath and not pretend I'm peaceful, mm. not mm -hmm. saying that I'm okay, mm -hmm. but to be genuinely from a peaceful or a balanced place. And if I can't do it, Ben, then I walk away. Sure. Because you know what? Addressing whatever problem, what I view as a problem, mm -hmm. or whatever you know boundary violation that the boys committed is not worth me vomiting my rage on them yeah is not going to make them a better person right so they're better off their dad extracting themselves from that situation yeah and then coming back and addressing it in a calm way so and that's salvation it's good there you go. but i mean you changed your that part of you can be born yeah. again and and really be different and sure yeah i agree it's transformational yeah and, and i think that's what all the religions of the world are trying to discover good stuff yeah is is the transformation how, how do work? we transform ourselves and yeah. we can do it i mean right um and there's no hubris in saying that we can do that yes. because you have to have self-awareness which requires humility um, to acknowledge, I, you know, this is not the person I want to be. Right. And how do I move beyond that? So. Amen. It, there's, you know, the Ben, the, the thing that I, I, that I've learned in almost 30 years that I've been out of, out of the movement is they paint a picture of absolute hopelessness, hmm. but there is such tremendous hope and i've seen people take different mm. paths yeah and you know over the years i've learned it's okay if people take a different path but they're learning to right live a full life right uh, you know it's it's okay so i've known there's people who are still devout christians um and find great satisfaction in meaningful great life point. and i will not detract from i'm 100 with myself, you i find myself i've over the last few years have, um, I don't know, drifted, moved beyond. I mean, all of those sound judgmental and I don't changed. want to, but yeah. I'm, I, it's changed for me, right? Yeah, changed. I still have tremendous appreciation yeah. for um, religious teachers that come from a place of, uh, you know, looking to better people's lives. I'm not so hung up, and, well, not so, I don't care about theology. Um, and I, you know, and I'll, say that with some risk 
but I do admire people who you. have a real social conscience and advocate for the downtrodden, advocate for those that don't have a voice and, and do so with um, kindness and love. I mean, yeah. for me, we, our youngest son's middle name is Mandela, and we did that after Nelson Mandela because a uh, big chunk of my journey uh, that I uh, – some of the growth that I underwent was I had a job that required me to travel a lot. So I sit on a plane and read. And, you know, I remember reading uh, Mandela's uh, The Long Walk Home. And what a tremendous life that man lived to walk out of a prison after 30 plus years and be an advocate for reconciliation yeah. rather than revenge. Yeah. It takes a special person. And I was reading that book trying to find out how Christianity impacted his life. And sadly, <laughs> Christianity did not have a tremendous impact on his life. It was more of some of the indigenous teachings of his tribes Interesting. that had a significant impact on him. But there I'm comparing. I, I, that's not my intention. I'm just yeah. saying I admire people that come from a place of kindness, love, compassion, reconciliation, mm -hmm. you name it. And I'm going to um, say over and over, that is what I believe I love that idea of anti-sectarianism still. Yeah. And 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 that's it. <laughs> and it's not to form your own sect. It's not to form your own sect. That's yeah. not to be the one true sect is an anti-sectarianism. Anti-sectarianism, <laughs> I reach my hand in fellowship to to Nelson Mandela yeah. and and Gandhi and and you know Robert Thiessen, whoever is uh, Sure. Walking in that way. And the or, first thing I don't go is, uh, Ben, what is your view on the tribulation? Right? Yeah. Like, come on, let's move beyond that. Yeah. Or I would suggest let's move beyond that. I'm with you, man. Individuals' journeys are, are really interesting. I mean, I, I take great interest in some of the people that have left and just see how they're evolving and um, moving. And, you know, some you can see. The thing is, we're all on parallel paths. Like, that. that there is no doubt about. You can see, you know, potentially the struggles trying to figure out, like, how do you live a life? I know. When you don't have rigid rules telling you what to do. Yeah. I had real trouble being a social individual because everybody was my friend because of my position. Mm, and all of a sudden I, yeah. walking away and nobody gave a rat's <laughs> tail who I was. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden I'm like, hey, nobody wants to be my friend. You well, got, it wasn't that the rules have changed. To be my friend. Yeah, I just didn't know how to make friends, you know. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> Everybody is experiencing their own thing, and yeah, um, it is fascinating the the differences and the similarities. It's, it's why I really wanted to have this space and this kind of conversation with with people like you because, mm -hmm. man, I could have really benefited from from hearing a lot of this stuff early on because you are just you just do feel adrift. Yeah, you do. And, and sort of without tools sometimes. And those things are and, hard fought, hard won. And that's what's used against people that leave. And sometimes they come back mm, because mm -hmm. exactly that. Yeah, that, that can give you the feeling. Feel, right? and, and that can give you the feeling of like, oh, well, first of all, it can, it can really cause people to actually jump off the deep end. Like you, you try mm -hmm. drugs or what the heck I'm going to, I do go nuts because I've never made moral decisions before. I don't know how to make moral decisions. That's right. Um, and so there is a, an opportunity there that the, that the church likes to point to, because if you're in, 
yeah. the, the the idea is you, you leave and your world's going to fall apart. Your mind's going to get darkened by sin. Mm. Um, and I watched for yeah. that when I left. I was like, okay, this is the part I've been told where I become really angry and mean. And, and I didn't feel any change psychically. Same guy. Um, same guy. Same guy. <laughs> and that was a revelation. Yeah, there, there's there's uh, down the road, um, you know, some good discussions about evolving or growing outside of the cult. And it is yeah. challenging. The initial times are challenging. They're very yeah. challenging. And like I noticed years later, I still realized I was carrying baggage. Yeah, it comes in waves. Call it trauma. And again, one of those words that is very divisive and can yeah. elicit pretty strong reactions from both sides. Yeah. But nonetheless, it is th that's what it is. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah. Anyways, how did your uh, first two episodes do? Have you gotten? I haven't actually looked at the analytics. I'm just curious if you notice anybody listening that might be, or do you think this will be verboten? Don't listen to the. You know, it's a good question. <laughs> I, I don't know. I I hope when the ministers are on, that that sanctions it. And I, sure. I hope that the tone, it's well, you know, one of the reasons I, I chose you as an early interview, because I, I didn't want to jump off the deep end with something controversial. I would like sure. to talk about that stuff and I would, I would like yeah. to hear all of that, but I did want to set a tone of dialogue, you know, of, mm -hmm. of just sort of honoring different people's stories on both sides, being willing to look as objectively as possible at, at the ideas and very much in the spirit of what we've talked about, honoring the way that people are different. And even with the yeah. COG and the stuff I disagree with and the stuff I think isn't, is dangerous or bears bad fruit, there's still elements in that that I just, I think are great also. And I want to, I want to be able to, to highlight those things. Um, the, mm -hmm. I, I was thinking today about, about a brother and just how, what a great guy he was, how spiritual sure. he was. And, how genuine and where you don't yeah. often just find people you're like sweet and kind and um, you met those people a lot inside. There were, you know, some luminaries that benefit from that particular kind of system and, and where, yeah. where that line is, is a bit of what this experiment is about maybe f sussing out for myself and, and for others. You know, we, uh, I tell the boys again, and when I say I, it's Lisa and I, the one other thing is that we never attack people. Yeah. We discuss ideas. Discuss ideas. Yeah. And I think that's my one one major issue that I have with the Church of God restoration is the attacking of people. Yeah. Um, that they cannot separate ideas from people. Yeah. Um, and so that's for me too. I mean, Such the temptation is there a lot of times to you know to address the people as being something but to be able to separate yeah. it and say no the people themselves i'm not gonna this is not personal yeah the idea i will challenge them yeah and and the idea the we, idea i disagree with and if you can if you can keep that distinction in your mind you can really take ideas to town one one feedback i got sure. was yeah someone someone really was concerned that i said i don't mind blasphemy and i was kind of thinking on that and and that's sort of the sense in which I mean that is that even the biggest ideas need, need to get beat up a little and make, and, and see if they're true, not taken for granted, you know? 
and blasphemy. Well, here's the interesting th yeah. thing about blasphemy. It's a social construct because if you hear somebody in a Muslim country commit blasphemy, we as Christians go, what? That's not blasphemy, <laughs> right? Yeah, you can draw um, a caricature of Muhammad. It's fine. Or you can, Elijah, Elijah asked the prophets of Baal. He's like, where's God? Is he on the toilet? Is he, is he on a vacation? He's making fun. And... And That's blasphemy. And <laughs> one time the brothers came yeah, up. The brothers came up to. They were young brothers. I won't mention who they are. They know who they are. Uh, they came up to Alaska, and it was my. We invited my dad. It was the first time I think that he'd encountered the saints at all, and so we were really excited. Like ministers are here, and um, they their dinner conversation was largely sort of making fun of some preacher they'd heard or some other belief or something and really just ragging yeah. on it and yeah. my dad was very upset and he told me that the next day I was like that was rude i was just sort of appalled and i spoke to brother yeah. danny about that and of course those brothers were out of line they were young ministers but brother danny also said it's normal to make fun of things that um sort of are the enemy you know it's kind of it's kind of a cathartic mm -hmm. way of processing those ideas and 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 he yeah. he kind of talked me through that in that sense, and he's not all wrong. There's some place for that, um, and it's a yeah. It's 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 again um, without trying to stretch it too far. It's it's being non-dual about it. Is you can make mm -hmm, fun of the right. ideas, but you still hold the person as sacred. And I mm -hmm. I find that my experience was I was an incredibly judgmental person of other people just because I knew they held ideas. Yeah, um, so yeah, I yeah. wasn't able to differentiate it. And so I became yeah. a very caustic individual towards That's others. That's well put. And I think, yeah. That's well put. Anyways. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I hope you'll come back and, and play in this space with me. Do do a panel or talk some more and interact. We'll see ben, it was, uh, it. it was great talking to you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Take care of yourself. You too. We'll talk to you soon. All right.